Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Book Journeys Radio, an interview series for authors in transformation. From the basic fundamentals of selecting a book topic and overcoming writer's block to advanced techniques for publishing and marketing your books. Don't forget to check out our complete schedule and archive shows at blogtalkradio.com forward slash book dash journeys. Now, get ready to make a difference with your book with your host, founder of the Author Incubator, Dr. Angela Loria. Hey, Britt, hang on. Hmm? Uh, okay, we just totally screwed this up. All right, we are going to have to edit this later, but we are kicking off a little bit late today. Uh, just had to restart the program, a little bit of technical difficulties, but we are here now on Book Journeys Radio. Um, better late than never, and we have this week sort of a different a different take than we normally talk about. Britt McGinnis is the author of um, the author of Gin and Brimstone. We're going to talk uh, we're going to talk about Britt's uh, entire process. And while we usually have nonfiction authors on the show, uh, I think Britt's approach to creating books and to telling stories is really unique. So, Britt, thanks for um, for taking the time to talk to us. Of course. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, let's start with your first book, Gin and Brimstone. Just to give people an idea of the kind of work that you do, why don't you tell us what that book is about? Well, of course. Uh, it is a urban fantasy, which basically means take any city or conventional setting, usually a bigger city. My my book primarily takes place in San Francisco and add a supernatural element or a fantasy element to it. A great example of this genre is the TV show Grimm, which takes place mostly in my hometown, which is Portland, Oregon. But then you have creatures and monsters and all that running around. And right, I especially love creatures and monsters in Portland. <laughs> I've been there. Well, I've I've seen them. <laughs> yeah. Oh goodness. It, you've no idea how thrilled I was to see that the the Flash, the new TV show about the superhero, the Flash, is hint hint set in Portland. They use lots of Portland landmarks, even though it's not explicitly called Portland. Springfield, <laughs> a generic yeah. city. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So you write urban fantasy, and then gin and brimstone, what's the premise of that story? Exactly. It's it's a little bit of a Persephone story. It's a very young woman who is confronted by the devil, the actual devil, and asked to make a bargain with him. She can leave her old life behind, which is in no ways a bad life, but it's very ordinary and become his bride and become something completely different. So part of the premise is, would you choose something that is so radically different than where you are now, even if it's scary and unknown? Love it. Love it. So um, 
so you have kind of a unique way. Selling selling any book is hard, but selling fiction is, uh, I think, in many ways, an even bigger challenge. And I was really impressed with the way you've really been building a platform and readership. Can you talk to people about um, about the the Patron project, the Brit Makes Books project? How does this work, and what was your idea behind it? Well, basically, uh, my Patreon project, which is patreon.com, it's basically crowdfunding, but it's a subscription service to people's work, and basically you help sponsor your favorite artists, gather funds so that they can keep doing their work. It's gained a lot of popularity among YouTube personalities. And the experiment I Love tried it. this year, which, yeah, it's it's a great way to keep content that you love going, even if advertisers don't necessarily gather them and gather their mm-hmm. information and see them as big enough. But basically, I what I tried, and which I eventually kind of retired because I wanted to spend more one-on-one time with my fans, but I highly recommend this, is I just put out all of the information for all of the books I'm planning to write over the next five years. And I said, as soon as I hit these financial goals, because to be honest, I have a day job, and writing is not yet my full-time career. So Mm -hmm. I have to set aside time and therefore potential earning hours to write books. So I said, as soon as I hit these landmarks, much like you would do with the Kickstarter campaign, I will release these books. And whoever is a patron of mine will receive free copies of these books for life, or as long as they're a patron of mine. I basically wanted to make the best modern fan club that you can. And I think Patreon is very well suited to that. So your fan club, why would somebody why would somebody join? And you've got some really specific reasons, which I think are awesome. So share some of those. <laughs> well, I try I try my hardest to treat my readers like they're my friends. So, like the book, I'm also the editor in chief of a book review blog because me and my friends wanted together wanted to get together and read great books. And I think the most successful authors in this day and age treat their fans not only like they're equals who deserve to know their inside process, because I think fans really gravitate toward that, but they really like when you treat them well. So as part of my fan club called The Inner Circle, I would sign up with some of my author friends and give them a free bonus reward every month. So, for example, anyone who sponsored me this past month any new patrons would receive a copy, actually three different copies, from my dear author friend, Lauren Wilder. Wait, what is that? Dear author? My my friend, my author friend, Lauren Wilder. Oh, oh, got it. Okay, cool. Oh, I love mm-hmm. that. So it's actually a way for her to... Um, to, to maybe develop fans as well, but you're giving them a, a, like a bonus. Absolutely. I'm actually releasing my my first non-inner circle newsletter, and there's a similar feature in that where I say, here are books by authors I think you'll love if you love my work. And I think that's just how the modern author scape, I guess, is shaping up to be, is that if people trust personal recommendations. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, and um, and especially there's a certain 
whether it's justified or not, we could argue, but there's a certain place that authors hold in readers' hearts. Um, There's a certain amount of credibility Mm -hmm. you get. So a recommendation from me might be something different than somebody who is a reader and a fan of yours. They're going to listen to it in a different way. Um, So I think that's really powerful to leverage. Absolutely. One of my favorite authors on Twitter is Meg Cabot. She's the author of the Princess Diaries series. And she has completely embraced this despite being traditionally published and despite kind of, I don't think she's ever independently published a book on her own, but she has seen and taken notes of what independent authors have done. And she's so great. I love her because she, she speaks in a very natural voice. She's very friendly she praises other authors on her Twitter account and says, oh, I'm so happy for my friend. He made the New York Times bestseller list. She wants to, she wants her fans and her readers to see her as a friend. And I think that's Love fantastic it. because, well, what do you have, what do you have to lose? You know, people <laughs> get enthusiastic, people get enthusiastic about things. So if you can match their enthusiasm and give them and reward them for being enthusiastic about you, you'll have a true fan and they will advocate for you. I love that. So, um, by the way, I want to spell this for people because I wasn't familiar with this website. Um, you might know Kickstarter mm-hmm. or Indiegogo. This is a very different yes. take on crowdfunding, and I really love it. So I'm going to spell it for you. It's <laughs> Patreon. It's P as in Paul, A as in Alpha, T as in Tom, R as in Romeo, E as in Elephant, O O as in Open, N as in Nancy. So it's Patreon, patreon.com. Mm-hmm. And then if you want to see Britt's page, which I think is awesome, you can go to patreon.com slash Britt Makes Books. And Britt spells her name B-R-I-T, like a British girl. Um, Britt <laughs> Makes Books. And um, I really recommend you check that out and, and think about creating a campaign, but also look at the energy that she has towards her fans. So when you're thinking about your readers, what does your connection feel like? Do you think about your readers? I know you think about your message. I know you think about your story. But almost always when I talk to fiction authors, they want to tell me their story. And, and you know, Britt has a great story, and I think she's done a great job of explaining the genre. But I love the energy she brings to that connection with her reader because that's really the magic. I mean, we've talked on the show about how there used to be 300,000 books a year that were published uh, 10 years ago, and now we're seeing 600,000 books a month published. So if we're reaching that level of just such massive growth in the number of books that are out there, the real differentiator is the connection you make with your readers. That's what people come back for. That's what people actually read your book for. And I think, you know, just looking at that that energy and that relationship she's building, even if you don't do a similar campaign, I think will be helpful. So you have talked about um, a five-year plan. I'm hoping this isn't like a Soviet communist five-year plan. Um, <laughs> you've talked about having multiple books. Um, do you just have Gin and Brunstone out now? Yes, but I'm I'm actually dropping a series of three books over this next year. And so, yeah, I've been working on them for a little bit, but I figure better early than never. So, yeah, that will be coming out later this year. 
Should I talk about it? Okay, so let's – well, here's what I want to talk about because you've had mm-hmm. a really experience, a really interesting experience um, with publishing your first book. So why don't you talk about how you published Gin and Brimstone, and then what I'd love for you to share with people, some of the lessons learned, things that you will do differently with this new series or things that you might recommend that people do differently than you so we can learn from your mistakes. Yay, Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, when I finished the book, I mean, I was extremely green. This being my first book, I held it up as, you know, this is going to be the book. This is going to be the paragon, which I think from what I've gathered, a lot of people feel about their first book. Eventually, I got really tired of this because at I was 22 when I finished the book, and it only came out last year when I was 23. And I eventually realized that Honoring my first book, while important because it's my first book, keeping it under a rock was only hindering my entire career starting. Mm-hmm. Because if the longer I held this to be sacred and, you know, I want to do it absolutely right the first time and this is going to influence everything, that was a lot of pressure on myself. And in the meantime, you know, my career wasn't going, wasn't starting yet. So I found a very small independent publisher who were great, but they were primarily, they were a general publisher. They did not specialize in fiction. So if I could, the first thing I would recommend to people is if you're publishing something, especially something like urban fantasy, which is fiction, but it's a very specific kind of fiction, make sure if you're going with a publisher that they specialize in that thing. I think that is great advice. And easy to, you know, a lot of the steps are the same. Um, but what was the um, thing that you felt like they were missing, not not understanding your genre as well as maybe you would have liked? Well, one thing that's really key for fiction books in general, but especially supernatural books, is that the key to most people's success initially in the genre is signing up for blog tours, which is basically mm-hmm. distribute the I I love these things because it gets me on the ground and it makes me hook up with people who really love the genre. You distribute your book to a lot of different blogs, usually through a coordination agency, and there's some really good ones out there. And they take it up and they either promote it through a single promotion post or they review it. And basically your book is highlighted across this very specific group of niche blogs for from anywhere from three days to two weeks. So I was game to do this. I said, hey, we should do this and get to send these blogs. And they said, no, mailing list should be enough. And, you know, it did distribute my book, but not as much as it could have been in the blogs. And honestly, I don't blame my publisher because I was following my instinct and going with people who had been in publishing longer, but I was holding back from saying something that I felt was right. So I would first, so that's the second set of advice is even if you feel like, even if you're dealing with people who know more than you, if you have an instinct about what you want to do with your book, listen to it. I mean, Mm. I was 22, I mean, I was 22 years old. I figure I am the greenest person ever. I should just listen to what they have to say. And they were very well-meaning, but they didn't know what to do best with my book. So I would say listen to your instinct, listen to your instinct, experiment. Even if it doesn't work, you'll know. Mm -hmm. So what are you doing differently this time? 
what I'm doing differently this time is I'm spending much more time on my cover. If you if you looked at Jen and Brinstone's cover, and I'm actually thinking about doing a special uh, 2015 Halloween edition with new cover. That's that will hopefully go down next year. But if you look at the mm-hmm. cover, it's a highly romance-centered cover. And while a romantic relationship is at the heart of my book, I mean, it's one of the driving forces, it's not key to the mood of the story. But last mm-hmm. time I'm like, okay, I just want to get this out. I want to meet my deadline. I just want to get this out. So I next this time I'm definitely investing more time in my covers. The second, the second thing is that I'm not going to be as adherent to deadlines. I know that sounds bad, but... I think sometimes holding to a certain deadline, like I'm going to get all of these books out by the time I turn X number of years old, which was me at a certain time. I think adhering to that mindset sometimes forces you to cut corners where you don't need to be. And for me, again, now that the pressure's off and the first book is out there, I'm going to spend much more time trying to do it right and trying to do it true to the story. Mm. And so, and with your, um, with your, you've decided, are you going to use a publishing company this time or are you going to do it yourself? I'm going to do it completely myself. I, I found a great cover artist. I don't mind plugging, if you don't mind. That was my next question. I was going to say, how did you find, how, how, how did you find or how do you plan to find the resources to do it yourself. Give us uh, a little bit of a, a how-to and where you'll look. And, yeah, by all means, any resources you want to share, that's great. Absolutely. Well, first of all, never underestimate the power of Twitter. <laughs> I actually mm. found people I, – I found my formatter through getting in a conversation with someone about fantasy on Twitter. We ended up direct messaging her, and I asked – she answered a trivia question I posted up. I'm like, hey, I'm going to give a free – copy to someone who can answer this random question about V for Vendetta because I love that graphic novel. So I just said, hey, if you can answer this, I'm going to give away a free copy because it's a Friday. Why not? And she answered it correctly, so I direct messaged her the book, and I said, hey, you seem really knowledgeable about this. Do you want to be a beta reader? She's like, yeah, maybe, but I'm mostly a formatter right now. I'm like, oh, I need a formatter. Can I have your email address? So wow. that was great. And again, Again, just picking up on the energy and being enthusiastic about your own work can really get you far. Um, For covers, I cannot plug this guy enough. He is HumbleNations.com, and he has has a business model that I wish most companies had. You can work with him one-on-one for, you know, standard fee, maybe a little bit more above standard, but that's only because he makes pre-made copies that you can purchase and just say, here's my title, here's my subtitle, here's my name. He will ship you back the exact cover with your information plugged in, and that is yours to keep. So it's a decision wow. of – it's so great because he is – Okay, it's so just that he is respectful for time. people. Okay. It is goonright.com or humblenations.com. He has redirects on both, so I don't mind plugging both. His news. I would say if you're at all curious about him, subscribe to his newsletter if you're on the fence because you will get alerted whenever he has new covers up for sale. The covers are, you can you buy as is, but he will plug in your information and give you a few different versions of the cover that you can use for your own formatting. 
and he usually releases about 100 new covers at a time. Wow. This is a crazy yeah, model. I love it. So I'm going to read this to you guys so you hear what she thinks. Sometimes it's hard over a recording. So it's humble, like humble pie, H as in happy, U-M-B-L-E, nations, N as in Nancy, A-T-I-O-N-S.com, humblenations.com. And um, the way this works is these pre-made covers are only 40 bucks each, which is awesome. Um, and uh, really, really cool designs as well. It looks like there's a, a range of prices and designs, and, um, you know, as she also mentioned, you could also work um, directly with him and hire him to make a, a custom-made cover, but I think you'll be impressed with some of these designs. I'm excited. That's a great resource. Yeah. He's really great. And I've already purchased, I've purchased four covers from him so far, and I'm definitely planning to do more with him. That's awesome. Yeah. So, okay, let's talk uh, a little bit in the time we have left about writer's block. I want to talk about some of the techniques because you've got a big uh, writing agenda for this year, um, three three books in a series you're cranking out this year. So what is your, what's your writing process and how do you deal um, with writing writer's block or even just not feeling like writing one day? Oh, goodness. Well, I think almost before you start the writing process, I think it's important to pick a book or pick an idea that you're excited to write. I think that that's really the first step because this series of three books, I wanted to write it when Jim and Brimstone was half over. You know, I want I was enthusiastic about this from the start, so, and that makes everything easier. I would say it's more important to be consistent with writing than to do a lot of writing at once. I mean, I've, I think we've all had those glorious afternoons where we sit down and then we write 5,000 words in one go and we feel fantastic, but then we don't write again for another month. And that's, that's <laughs> right. horrible to me. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, that's great because, I mean, I've had some of my best work come out of sessions like that. But I'd rather have day, weeks and weeks where I write 500 words in one session but do it consistently. Because you'd always, it's you'd always rather be wanting to write more than to be completely burned out and not want to look at that manuscript again. And so, um, what are some of your other? Do you have any writers' rituals? Do you have certain places or times of day that you feel like you're more productive? What have you learned about yourself as a writer? I have learned that a standing desk will save your life. <laughs> I, I, Come on, you're one of those people. I'm definitely, I'm not a fitness nut, but for me to have the option to sit down or stand up is great. And I often find, like, you know, if I, if I don't feel relaxed, if I feel restless, just having the option to stand helps things move a lot better. I've also learned that I'm still not a morning person. <laughs> I love writing in the – I'd rather start writing in the early afternoon and continue into the night than start in the morning. I've tried. There's certain work that I can certainly get done in the morning, but it is not writing. Mm-hmm. I'm exactly the same way, and yet so many people <laughs> I know are morning writers, and that's right. where it's they like feel most productive. Who, it's like those people who only need six hours of sleep a night. I wish I was those <laughs> people or was one of those people, but I'm just not. 
And I think there's a lot of freedom that comes from just accepting that you're not. That's awesome. So when people ask you, um, which I'm sure they do, for uh, advice, what is the advice you give people who want to write a book but haven't done it yet? I would say check yourself to make sure you really want to do it. And that sounds mean, but my father actually wrote a book before he died, and he wrote it piecemeal and just on airplanes when he was commuting for his job. Like it was so important to him that he get this book out and in the world that he was willing to be uncomfortable to do it. So I think, I I hate to sound reductive, but I think if you want to write a book, you will do it. So if you look inside yourself and say, well, this is really important to me, I think I'll make some changes to do it then you really want to be an author. And and have you made changes to your life in order to be able to write? Absolutely. I being an author has changed my life so much. I mean, I had a this is one of those stories. I had a job at a startup. I because my day job's in social media. I love it. But I was so upset at not having time to write at my startup jobs, which I loved and I loved the people there. But just I felt that without the freedom to write, I wasn't going to do what I really wanted to do. Money or no, I would be very unfulfilled. So I started my own virtual assisting business so that I could have time to write and have that flexibility and be able to meet and work with authors and creative people just because I wanted it so badly. And I feel like that's honestly what it takes. Even even if you want to keep your day job, are you willing to write during your commute? Are you willing to take a sick day and write a lot on one day? You have to think in terms of do you want this to be part of your identity? Because it will mm-hmm. be. Right. Absolutely. I think those are some fantastic tips. Um The one last thing I want to ask you about in the last minute we have is I know for you, you always thought you would publish traditionally, um, which so many of our listeners have that feeling. They want to find an agent and go the traditional route. And you've gone through a journey over the last couple of years where you've really uh, switched your mindset to focusing on publishing. And you've also switched from having the one big book to really having a career as a writer. And there are lots of books. This is the beginning of, of a long line of books for you. I just wanted you to take a minute to just share that journey and what your what your philosophy is as a writer now in terms of publishing um, and and how you want to do that and why. Absolutely. First of all, I want to say if your dream is to be traditionally published, that is fantastic. I never want to rag on traditional publishing because in many ways that's still the big dream for me. But when I had my book and I wanted to present it to people, I was faced with the reality of you could spend 10 years trying to get an agent trying to find a contract, trying to find a contract that works for you, promoting this and pitching this to publishing houses, the process will be longer than the time it's been almost the hard part of writing the book itself. And so I was forced to make a decision. Was I prepared to take that journey and maybe get one book published but have no guarantee of financial success 
or did I want to go the independent route and have a much more expedited journey, but maybe be a little thought of as a bit of a frontier person, just be prepared for maybe not as much prestige initially. And I had to really look internally and say, you know what, I'm at the very beginning of my career. I'm ready to start it. So I I took a leap and went into independent publishing and found a couple of mentors. And I learned that there's an incredible freedom that comes from letting go of the big, big honking dream because it means that it's all up to you. Success or failure is all up to you. And while that's terrifying, it's also freeing because it means that there's less steps of approval to meet along the way. So that's what really appeals to me about it. Absolutely. I love that. Success or failure is is always up to us, but self-publishing makes it really real. So, Well, thanks Mm -hmm. for being our guest today, Britt. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. This has been another episode of Book Journeys Radio, where we're changing the world one book at a time. To find out more about how you can get your book written, published, and promoted, visit www.theauthorincubator.com.